Blog Talk Radio. Once again, to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend James of FolkCounter.com in North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of ConjurmanConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we welcome a special guest. Miranda of MirandaTarot.com in Minneapolis, bringing us today's topic on railroad magic. They will take your, your calls and advice, offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first, let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman. Miss Kat? Hi. Hi, Reverend James. Things here are so hopping. I hope things are hopping where you are. <laughs> yes, they are. We're making tons of figural candles right now, so our whole basement uh, counter is full of figural candles. Wow. <laughs> That's great to know that you're casting your own. How cool is that? Well, uh, things here are um, very chaotic mentally because I'm uh, – got suckered into this uh, topic for today's show, Railroad Magic. And uh, Miss Miranda, who is our guest, is just one of those people Mm -hmm. who calls ahead to discuss what the show is going to be. And it turned into like an hour and a half rant. She says she took six pages of notes. And I've been working hard ever since on the Railroad Magic webpage as part of Hoodoo and Theory and Practice, which doesn't exist yet. And um, I'll be explaining a bit more about that. But it will be available to my Patreon subscribers on Tuesday. So that's what I've been doing. It's just a whole lot of Railroad Magic coding and um, annotating and futzing around to create a new page for Hoodoo and Theory and Practice. And um, I guess it's been very cold here. We've been talking about that in the chat. Everyone's been mentioning how cold it is in California right now. Apparently it's warm every place else, but we're all sitting here with the heat on. And um, ah, don't have much else to talk about, I guess. I've just been really um, into this railroad magic topic, so we'll get to it soon. How are things with you, Conjurman? Well, things are, are well, and it's definitely chilly, or at least starting to get chilly where I'm at, uh, despite being uh, on both coasts experiencing winter, I think once you live in Southern California for a while, you get very spoiled, so that even a mild drop in temperature, you're like, oh, God, it's really cold right now. I think in all, all honesty, it's maybe like 70 degrees, so it's not even remotely 
that cold, but but it's enough for to make the Southern California blood slightly chilly. Uh, but otherwise, I've been doing quite well, very busy. I've been attending uh, protests, doing work with clients. I actually had a really fascinating uh, love uncrossing client, or I should say crossed, star-crossed lovers client, in which uh, I just did a, a sort of a natal chart reading for them where we examined their life because they had this sort of repeated pattern where men would come into their lives for a period of about three to six months, and they timed it, three to six months, and by three to six months, something would happen, and they would just lose interest. And it wasn't always like fights, and it wasn't arguments. It was just like it would fizzle, just fall apart. Like they would just, the passion that was there in like week two and week three, by, by the third month, by the, the sixth month, it was just gone. And this had happened like a total of several times. And so we were looking, and they had gone to several different readers to take a look and see what happened, where did it come, you know, why does this keep happening? We identify, and we looked at the natal charts. We're like, all right, let's take a look. Maybe there's something chronic here in the start. And it was very clear. It was an afflicted, <laughs> very afflicted Venus. Venus was not doing well. She was in detriment, and she was receiving a really harsh uh, opposition from Saturn. So it was like one of those, like it jumped right out. That every time, and the funny thing was, it was every time the sort of moon transited Venus, you could see the instances where the relationship would either blossom or fall apart. So you could really almost time it like clockwork. So it was very wow. interesting. I'm a, I'm a big fan of these sort of diagnostic, like let's figure out what's going on. So that was a really enjoyable client not enjoyable for them but certainly we were able to figure out what it was and now we've got a clear action plan for how to address it but these type of like difficult cases where like what is really going on here let's do a bit of investigating always very rewarding wow well i have to admit i've been working so hard on my uh on this railroad magic uh page that i have not been doing anything but a few readings and um however i want to let people know that i have added mondays to my reading schedule mm. so i was reading Free books or uh, voodoo psychics oh um that's a good question uh, at air um at air. i'm also on hoodoo psychics on mondays after i'm on air i was i was using monday as my a free day, just do what I want to. Mm. But you know, I'm I'm glad to read. I won't maybe won't be on Hoodoo Psychics every Monday, but I'm I've opened up Monday on my Air Bookio page. So instead of just Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on Air, and then Friday and Saturday on Hoodoo Psychics, Monday is both Air and Hoodoo Psychics. Mm. I hope that made sense. So anybody want a reading for me? I am available for readings as. And I suppose I will be for a long, long time. I mentioned that because somebody said to me, I didn't know you were still giving readings. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I must be failing somehow because I thought I was telling everybody I'm doing readings. But yeah, oh, I am. Oh, dear. Yeah, that's sort of a, a strange thing to me. Well, today we have a topic that is so complex i don't think we're going to be able to finish it in one day and we may need to come back in about a year and and the reason i say this is that um uh, i i'm so stoked on it i want to bring in miss miranda 
And um, she got me, you know, out of my doldrums and um, chugging along here. So welcome to the show, Miranda. Hi, thank you. <laughs> Tell us what's it's going a- on. What's going on in your world right now? Um, well, it's kind of um, funny. Me and Doc Murphy are in the chat both saying, because we're both here in the Twin Cities, and it was so nice today that we all have been outside. Like, people don't put on pants here until it's at least 50 degrees, um, and I think today was maybe close to 60. We were all very excited. It's the small things. It keeps us going, you know, through the cold winter that's about to come. Um, mm. But, yeah, no, uh, what's going on with me? I do have a new website. I do finally have a place for people to book me online. Um, I've just been word of mouth for such a long time. And I, I have an ongoing client base, but I realize when people want to send me a new client uh, or, or buy something for a friend, like a reading for a friend, that's usually how I get my clients. And finally, I have, like, a resource now that people can actually book at. So that's really cool. That started this week. Um, and, of course, me and Ms. Kat talked a bit more about finishing up my homework for the correspondence course so I could definitely look into joining AIR as well as maybe Hootie Psychics because it's just such a good connection and it's so visible to so many people mm. looking for guidance and help. Um, what Our hands are extended in friendship, Miss Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> and, and folks, she is one of the she's one of the few people who's been on the show so often without ever having joined AIR or Hoodoo Psychics, which proves two things. You don't have to be a member of Air or Hoodoo Psychics to get interviewed for right. for our shows on our network or to be a guest on this particular show and do readings. And number two, we sure do like it when we can promote our friends. And one of the ways we do that is through readersandrootworkers.org and hoodoopsychics.com. So we're looking forward to it, Miss Miranda. We know you, you're going to be among us soon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I got all of my stuff out after we talked on Friday. So I was like, it's time. And even my, my boyfriend who came over, he was like, oh, are we about to do our homework? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he, do you Do you yeah. remember how long it has been since you signed up for the course? It says April 4th, 2021. Mm. It's not the worst. No, that is not the worst. I've had people turn in their homework after 15 years. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, And anyone listening to this show now or hereafter, turn in your darn homework, will you? Okay. Get your yeah, spiffy certificate. Well, and also, <laughs> with me and this, uh, with Doc Murphy, is that, uh, you know, we have to get graveyard dirt. That's a part of the homework assignment. But you only have so many times you can get the dirt easily when you're in a colder climate. <laughs> so we're just mm-hmm. like, oh, man. like, we have six months less to do the homework, so we, I have to do it now before the ground freezes. That's right. Froze. Before so, the ground freezes. Yeah. All totally. right. And then, well, yeah, let's, jump, let's jump right into our topic. So I'm going to give a little intro here. It may be a little long. Bear with me. My enthusiasm levels are off the chart. Oh, oh my gosh. Before I do that, I'm sorry. i just staring at this piece of paper in front of me. We have a winner. Right. Um, we have three lucky winners for Facebook Fridays for November 10th, 2023. And each one of them has won a Dr. Jeremy Weiss author's special. Um, 
which consists of one copy of Voldemancy, How to Read Pussies. Well, he didn't call it that. I did. And the other one is Terrors of the Evil Eye Exposed, which he is the co-author with me and the original author, Henri Gamache, a.k.a. Anne Fleitman. So they won these two books, and their names are Catherine Chavez, Lisa Cook, and Taya Lucas. So if you are one of the three winners, congratulations. Respond to the message that you will receive from the Lucky Mojo Facebook page. Send us your mailing address for shipping purposes. Thank you for playing. There will be another Facebook Fridays contest next Friday. All right, now on to railroad magic. So I've had a page online for years and years about railroad spikes. And um, I gave a spell in there about nailing down your property. It's a very popular spell. <laughs> Many people um, have taught it to me personally over the years. And um, and I've used it, and I've, I've um, helped others do it. And I sell railroad spikes in the shop. I also have um, a page at Herb Magic, and I hope that um, Shiva can find these and put them up. A page at Herb Magic on square cut nails and an page at herb magic on coffin nails coffin nails mm. not not literally coming from a coffin although i'm sure in the old days they did but at least since the 1920s or 30s coffin nails usually just mean small thin rusty nails that have been buried in the earth for an unknown amount of time usually finishing nails because that are, is the kind that are used to make coffins and uh, square cut nails are very popular um, they are similar to horseshoe nails, which are also popular. And, of course, that brings us to horseshoes. So all of these nails have in common one thing. They are made from forged iron. And iron forging has a much longer history in Africa than in Europe. And a lot of people are amazed and surprised mm-hmm. by this. But, yep. but yep, I heard that mm-hmm, contraband. Just, just say amen, amen. <laughs> when, when you feel like it. Um, uh, iron working has a longer history in Africa, including, believe it or not, the making of stainless steel in ancient times in Africa. Uh, Ethiopia was a great place for um, iron making and the Congo. And the Congo has huge deposits of iron in the form of magnetite, which is magnetic iron ore, which is where we get our lodestones. And that was preserved when people from the Congo were enslaved and brought to America, where there also are iron deposits, of course. They brought with them their uh, magic based on lodestones and magnetic sand, their magic based on iron nails. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I'm going to hope someone puts this up. There's a kind of a, you can use the air page for Nkisi Ndoki, if you would be so kind, Mr. Shiva. Um, there, There is a kind of magical figure in the Congo and among Congo people, speak Bantu-speaking mm-hmm. people in different adjacent nations, which is is called an Nkisi. And Nkisi Ndoki just means an Nkisi in the form of a, of a being or person. And it's a spirit. It's an embodied spirit. They come in the form of different animals, people. One of the most common forms is the howler monkey. And they are used for protection because howler monkeys um, protect their part of the forest by yelling when other animals come in. 
And these Nkisi Ndoki are wooden figures completely covered all over with nails, spikes, hatchets, axe heads, and so forth. And those are used for boundary protection. They're used as um, the sealing of pacts. And for instance, if two people agree, we will make a boundary line here and we won't fight each other, they drive their nails into this Nkisi Ndoki. So this magic of nails has a long history in Africa nailing mm-hmm. something down. There's even old spells like I have you tied a nail. These are nails yeah. really important. There is um in Western Africa there are even a there's even an Orisha having to do with being a, a smith. Isn't that right, yeah. Contraman? Yep, yep, yep. Metallurgy is one of the most powerful sorceries in Africa. Fun little history fact for you. I think you cat you'll really take a dig out of it. You'll get a kick out of this. Uh, this just confirms everything Cat says. Uh, I, what we understand is the Industrial Revolution, in particular the sort of iron process that Britain becomes famous for. It's known as the cork process, which is how iron is wrought and mass produced, actually comes from the Congolese slaves in Jamaica. The uh, company was patented in 1780 cork, specifically from something like 70 metallurgists, black metallurgists, African metallurgists from the Congo who had specialized in what was considered a sort of spiritual, magical technique that was then replicated and it became part of the iron palaces. So metallurgy, iron working, there's a deep connection to like sorcery, the gods, and it's the ability of humans to transform nature in a unique way. But not... You don't think of blacksmiths as sorcerers, but it's like deep, deep in Congolese mythology. That's absolutely right. The Industrial Revolution is based on African forms of metallurgy. Absolutely right. Now, with the Industrial Revolution came the railroad. And Mm -hmm. the railroad would not have been possible um, without the idea that you can make these long steel rails. And the extruding of these rails, of course, the first first railroads were made in Great Britain. And railroads became um, popular as a a way of transporting goods across the United States. And in the kind of work up to the Civil War, um, there was a lot of interest in expanding railroads westward. But when the Civil War started, Abraham Lincoln put a lot of attention and funding into the idea of railroads for transportation of raw materials and opened up the West with railroads. And so there were the little narrow-gauge railroads, which were uh, had a, a smaller space between the rails and smaller cars, smaller engines, steam engines. These were all steam engines at the time, which were also made possible through this African form of metallurgy. And those littler railroads, the narrow-gauge were used for bringing resources out to um, transit shipping points. So if you had gravel, like in, in Linville, you know, whatever, and you have the Linville gravel mine on the Linville River, and you're going to bring your little ET and WNC train, and they're going to load up those little gravel cars, and they're going to take them to Johnson City, where the bigger railroad, which is called Standard Gauge, which was the Southern in this case, um, and they, they would then transfer the gravel to the bigger train, then it could be transported all over the place. One reason they used so much gravel was that to make a railroad, you need to have a bed of gravel. Mm-hmm. And so railroad gravel itself becomes a um, a commodity and a magical 
resource. Yeah. When we talk about you know prisoners breaking up rocks and gravel, they're breaking up gravel to make railroads, <laughs> sort of a you know, and also later paved roads. But cars had not yet been invented. It's pretty much railroads at that time. The logging that was done was done to make railroad ties. So these little narrow gauge railroads are bringing out the ties and they're putting them up and making standard gauge railroads. Very few of the narrow gauge railroads still exist. Most of them are tourist destinations now and are preserved as living museums and you can ride on them and it's a lot of fun. And they uh, they kind of died out as the standard gauge trains grew and grew and grew. Now with these... Um, the trains came a hierarchical, um, uh, almost military-like uh, way of putting people in uniform and having set jobs. You know, it just wasn't like a free-for-all, like you got on a railroad and you just went somewhere. There were engineers who ran the train engine, which is the locomotive. There were firemen who were people who shoveled in the wood or coal that was being used to get that steam engine going. Then if they had passengers, there were people who took the tickets and the money. And then if the train was going more distance than just for an afternoon, there was food service and there would be cooks and there would be waiters. There would be people who would take you to your seat and make sure you were comfortable. And if the trains got more and more fancy, they had sleeping compartments that made up as beds and there were people to make those beds up. And at the uh, train had freight, there were people to load and unload the freight, and there were people at the very end of the train because they didn't have radio communication from the front to the end. So there was somebody at the very end called the brakeman who was like, would ride in the caboose. Now, these were hierarchical roles, and a lot of the uh, white engineers were sort of at the head of the of the thing. There were, depending on what part of the country they were in, the uh, firemen were either white, in which case they were probably Irish, or they were black. And black firemen were uh, very common. This came out of the steamship world in which there were black steamship stokers. Same mm-hmm. thing. The black stevedores and longshoremen of the steam engines, uh, excuse me, of the steamships became instead the loaders and unloaders of freight, but they also became the Pullman porters. And this is where black culture kind of intersected with the railroads in what I would call an upward movement of of, uh, society. The black Pullman porters formed a union called the Brotherhood of Pullman Porters. And you had to be able to read and write. You had to be able to, um, you know, wear a nice uniform with brass buttons. And people now look down and go, well, they wouldn't let black people be engineers. No. But to be a Pullman porter was to be socially very important in your community. And the Pullman porters were, uh, you know, people who, they weren't just the red caps. Now, red caps were the people who just took the the baggage from the depot to the train. The Pullman porters were the people who went up and down and served the food and saw that you had what you needed and, you know, made your bed up for you and stuff like that. So the railroads became a way to go and get a good job. But those railroads ran in two directions, east-west, north south and the trains going north in fact that's the, that's a line from a song train going north um the trains that went north took people and again this is after the civil war they took people to the north where there was a less history of segregation more job opportunities and the whole concept of the train as the way out of the south is what fueled what we call the great northern migration 
And you'll see a lot of songs, or you'll listen to a lot of songs in the blues, particularly rural country blues, about, I went to the depot, I looked upon the board, said hard times here, but better on down the road. And there's a lot of songs about taking the train and going somewhere. Memphis Mini sings, that Frisco train runs a mile a minute. Mile a minute is 60 miles an hour. So these are uh, concepts of the railroad as a journey to freedom. But if hoodoo wasn't what it was, you'd say, oh, railroads, you know, it's just a wonderful thing. It takes you someplace new. No, actually, railroads became used for a modern, then modern, adaptation of a much older form of magic, which was get-out-of-town magic. Throw that person in the river and they will float downstream. Now that comes out of the slavery idea that if you farther south you go, the worse you're going to be treated if you're a slave. And um, you know, selling someone down the river means getting them to a, a less advantageous um, state of life. So the riverboat and steamboat locomotion replaced it. So the the idea that the steamboat became the the steam engine was happening around the 1890s. Many spells that were used, particularly um, on the area that drains into the Mississippi River, where you throw things in there and going to end up in the Gulf of Mexico eventually, and that's to get someone out of town, those became railroad spells to get people out of town. Now, meanwhile, there's these railroad spike spells, and those come out of the Nkisi Ndoki tradition. So we're looking at one of those Venn diagrams where we have the magic of iron and iron for permanence mm-hmm. and iron for nailing things down. And if you go to my railroad spike page, which is uh, luckymojo.com forward slash railroadspike.html, you'll see a couple of spells there. I have more that are coming soon. And um, and those are about nailing things down with railroad spikes. But if you want to know about railroad magic, you're going to be looking at the train as a conveyance out of town, the Hmm. getting rid of somebody through working with the railroad. Now, I've said my intro. Let's turn this over to Miranda. I feel like this is the hardest thing to follow. I couldn't listen to you so much. And um, I, I love that someone in the chat is doing the same kind of like, oh, my goodness, we are taking in so much information at once. Um, I'm trying to think where I want to start just because I'll, uh, I'll, I'll lead into this, that when you and I talked, we talked a good deal about um, Henry Middleton Hyatt's um, uh, collection of his cylinders, his volumes of understanding, like, uh, I think it's like Condor and Witchcraft in in the Americas, essentially. But I'm getting the uh, name yeah, of the name of the name of the book. You can always remember the name of the book. How can we remember the name of the book? Hoodoo Conjuration. How can we remember? That is such a good mnemonic device. Book with a funny title. Okay. Anyway, yes, his book. Five volumes. Five volumes. There's six. Uh, five volumes, but it's actually six, I think, in total or something. It's, and they're available, like, on the Library of Congress. So, like, I've downloaded them as well as I've used the Lucky Mojo site where you have a number of them listed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're searchable. Like, 
it, it just takes time to find it, and he has so much to go over. But I was really blown away by the amount of references of trains, and it was something around essentially the timing in which this was uh, recorded. This is one of the best ways to get out of town, to get to move someone out of town, or to even also get that upper mobility of getting a better job. There's so many things that brought prosperity to these uh, to different areas because of trains, right? But just catching all of the interviews that he did, there were so many um, similar spell work because it was about moving people out, um, taking things away. It's essentially different types of crossroads. Instead of just like a road, these were crossroads or cross tracks. Level grades are another thing that we that you and I had talked about. Um, and there's just we knew that these trains would go a lot, or we all, but everybody, those trains go a lot further and farther than just where you are in your town. So it allowed for a, an evolution of sorts of magic. I think it's really cool. Um, the other thing I thought about that was really interesting was the tie into iron. The way that you brought this up based on like um, blacksmithing, iron, you know, forging and things like that of different areas. You also had mentioned like the amount of wrought iron that we see in um, a number of homes in the south and throughout um, corridor along the east coast. Right, especially in Pocomo. In Pocomo, Maryland, there's there's uh, an old um, plantation that is preserved. And, um, yes, they had African ironsmiths that came. People associate wrought iron a lot with uh, New Orleans, which it certainly is. But it was really all up and down the southeast coast. And these were African iron workers who had a tradition of wrought iron and then adapted that tradition to um, what I would call British tastes, you know, leaf decorations and things that would be in the British mold. But the idea of the swirls and stuff. Now, I'm going to say something else about this wrought iron because wrought iron also spread all across North Africa and into Spain and Portugal. And Again, because of the contact with Mediterranean and also southern Italy, the contact with these um, African um, ironsmiths kind of made the whole thing about Mediterranean wrought iron. And somehow that ended up in Maryland. Not that the um, colonists were Mediterranean. No, they had slaves who knew that uh, form of work. And I think for me, when I when talking with you about it, it was one of those things. Where like I've lived in New Orleans, I've uh, tr- I've lived in Philadelphia, I've gone, at, I've been in lots of places and countries that have wrought iron, and it never actually I was not informed or aware of where that um, that excellence, those skill sets came from, and that involved mm-hmm. a lot of important trade people. And there's even in one of I want I can't remember the exact informant at the moment. But there was something around um, the wrought iron work was made as either a curse or a blessing for the two that was in front of someone's house by someone on the land, someone, someone who was enslaved but also was, inca- was capable of creating them. And um, I thought that was just really fascinating that the history, you know, these are everyday items that we think are very high-end, very um, colonial, uh, or not even just colonial, but like, you know, it's, it's related with people coming in and taking, taking areas and gentrifying them to a degree. But this is actually the work and the, and the styles were brought in by the people who learned how to do the forging. And I think that just really kind of shifted my brain a bit on the reality of wrought iron and the value of wrought iron. Um, Mm -hmm. It's something that 
but is so quick to rust and we have to maintain it constantly. You have to paint it and do things. But also like when you think about something as hard working as iron in the railroad nails that go into the ties uh, on, you know, on railroads, they're really high functioning too. So it's a really interesting material. And just hearing the history of that and who actually led that really just changed, you know, my brain. And I thought that was right. such an interesting right. talk I'm going to just throw in um, one spell. I just added this um, this morning to the um, Railroad Spikes page, which it wasn't on before. So if you all haven't been to that Railroad mm-hmm. Spikes page, you might want to check it out. This is from New Orleans, which is known for its beautiful wrought iron. And mm-hmm. this spell was um, uh, collected in New Orleans in 1938, March 1938, by Harry Hyatt from a woman. Now, I'm going to explain who she was. I don't know her name because he lost his numbers book, so we don't know the names of his informants unless they said them themselves or he remembered them. But this was a woman because she gave doll spells and menstrual blood spells. So that's a woman, very likely. And she gave a spell that, I guess, first of all, you can identify that she's a Catholic because she talks about saying a novena. But this gets to the idea of the lucky number nine, which is African. And she says, you're going to go and get a railroad spike from the railroad. And I'm going to, little footnote here, railroad spikes fall out all the time when ties start to rot and decay, when people are remaking a section of rail when the ties have rotted, which they have to do every number of years. They usually would just throw the ties down with the spikes in them to the side of a, in a gully. They didn't want to haul them off. There were no scrap iron sellers at the time. So you could always get railroad spikes by the side of the railroad. However, it's illegal to do that because it is railroad property unless you can prove it's discarded. So people just go and take them. So in any case, you get a railroad spike and you bring it home and you pray a novena over it. Now, a novena is a Catholic prayer that you pray for nine days and you burn a candle on it for those nine days. So you would probably light the candle, say the novena, put the candle out. You do this for nine days in your home. Then when the candle has burned out, you take the railroad spike and you put it under your doorstep. Now, you've got to imagine this in one of those, you know, this is in New Orleans, one of those little houses, and you bury it under your doorstep with the head up and the point down, and you leave it there for nine days and walk over it for nine days. So first you had a nine-day novena with the candle. Now you're walking over it for nine days, right? Then you dig it up again. And you take it out to your field, your garden, wherever you have a crop, and you put it in this close to the center of that field or crop area as you can, and you bury it really, really deep, so deep that a plow cannot touch it. Now, remember, a plow is made of iron, too. So you have to know how deep your plow is. You put this thing way, way down, and as long as that stays in the center of your field, you'll have better crops higher cotton, more prosperity. So here, instead of using the railroad spike to nail down your house against the landlord like people do, here you're nailing down prosperity in your field. It's a great old railroad spike spell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, one of the things that we we need to understand is that railroads, I mean, based on the history that Ms. Cat has just given us, really has 
many, many uses, but they can be categorized, as I understand it, into three. Movement, tying down, and liminality. These are all connected to African-American society and culture and their contribution to railroads and, and, and iron itself. I mean, if you think about it, the emergence of railroad tracks and trains produces the first real, in, in modern history, the first true movement and migration for African-American people. What we're, it allows people to do is mass migrate in a way that they couldn't do before, a way to connect north to south, east to west in a way that we couldn't before. I mean, it's incredibly radical. It's also incredibly democratic. I mean, the, the working class mass migration is trains. Trains are always going to be better than airplanes in that reason. Uh, airplanes are for hobbyists. Trains are for the working people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's always been true in world history. It allows people... It allows people to move through through spaces. It allows people to connect city to city, right? So it's incredibly important. And so these three components, movement, tying down and liminality, is what produces the magic of the railroads. So, for example, railroad spikes would be used as spiritual objects for luck and for protection. The nailing down of your property, right, quite famously mm-hmm. done this way. But it's also a location for spirit. So you could toss something. And here are some examples. You could toss something onto the railroad spikes so that they are broken up by the trains and it drives people away. The most famous of this would be the vinegar jar. You take a mm-hmm. vinegar jar, you create a vinegar jar, then you go to a railroad, you throw it over your left shoulder, and you want to aim it so that it shatters on the railroads themselves. Why? You want that vinegar to hit the iron, here invoking the idea of rust. Then as the train passes through, the idea is that it will drive this person away. And I was told that it would specifically drive them away by making them mad in the head. It would make their head go crazy. The iron would rust their brain, so to speak, and it would drive them away. Or you can take a nail from a popular railroad track, specifically one that um, transports goods, and you keep it with luck by feeding it Hoyt's Cologne and then Van Van. Mm-hmm. A little bit of Hoyt's cologne, a little bit of Van Den, and that will become your personal lucky charm. And I knew plenty of people that actually kept railroad spikes as just their personal lucky charms. And mm-hmm. then you could also use, and this is the final example in the idea of the railroads as the place of liminality, it was one of the places that you could invoke one of the manifestations of the black man of the crossroads. In Virginian Conjure, we were told that if you ever wanted to summon hellhounds, it wasn't the graveyard you went to, it was the railroads you went to. You go mm-hmm. to the railroads with nine dimes, is what we were told. Nine dimes, and you said a particular conjuration, you did a particular working, and that would then summon the hellhounds, which the railroad could direct at your enemy and drive them from your life. So, movement some type of tying down and liminality. Yeah. All right. So this is this is a really a good stuff. And he brought up something about the crossroads and and the railroad crossroads here. So so one mm-hmm. of the things that's real important to me is to understand when we talk about crossroads, as soon as railroads were invented, um we all of a sudden had railroad grade crossings. And railroad grade yep. crossings are places where a railroad crosses um a road and there is no um 
it's not an underpass, it's not an overpass, it's just, you it's know, bridge, yeah. beca- just, it's just right there, <laughs> right? Yep. And usually it's just a very slight little hump, sort of kind of warn you, hey, you got to go over the tracks here. But um, this is a danger point. It's always a danger point. It's a crossroads yep. that um, where people are constantly getting killed at grade crossings. I mean, you can go to YouTube, just look up railroad accident at grade crossing and you'll see oh. railroads you know plowing through semi trucks and um and not derailing by the way the semi truck is the loser in that one and um oh. so there's a there's this idea that if you put something at the grade crossing and the rail the train will just come in blow it away it's gone yep. okay now there's another more um interesting to me way of working with the railroad cars and this is not using the spikes now but using the cars themselves so um i'm just going to give you um one of them it's just this from a woman who um hired the self-sufficient specialist and she lived in memphis tennessee and he asked her if she worked for white or black clients and she said my trade is white so she was a black root worker who worked exclusively for white people and um he did a very long interview with her she was um informant number 923 and she said you can run people away with their shoe you can go down to the railroad and you get one of them flat cars and take five 20-penny nails. Now, these are not railroad spikes. Now, these are just carpenter mm. nails. And you nail it down there. So this is their uh, shoe. And you put it over the box, the hot box. And when the rail car rolls down, uh, they will keep on rolling. So uh, let me explain what this is. You take their shoe. Now, we have to first you have to know what the hot box is. So when a... When a a flat car or a box car or even a passenger car has uh, two sets of what are called trucks. These are like kind of like axles, and they've got wheels on them that have flanges that ride on those rails. To keep them from being, um, you know, impossible to ride in because they're going to jump up and down, there's a set of uh, springs, and there's also bearings that will keep them rolling, right? Just like in a car, you'd have bearings. But in the old days, they didn't have ball bearings. They had what was called a hot box or a journal box, and they had journal bearings. And the journal box was packed with rags and oil. And this is really important for understanding some of these spells. If it got too hot, if there was problems, it could catch a fire because there was oil and rags in there. And you could see flame coming. People, you hear these, I saw the train in the night and there was flames coming out of the wheels. It sounds like it's something spooky from the paranormal. Mm. No, it really is flames coming out of the train, right, out of the wheels. And, of course, if it keeps on going, it will eventually melt the Babbitt metal, which is what the, you know, softer metal that the bearings are made out of. When it does that, the train will fall, the trucks will fall, and the train will derail. The whole thing will just, it'll drag it along. It's in the middle of a train. It'll drag it along. You can see, look up in YouTube, train disasters with hot box. You'll see them. They're all over there. Train people post them all the time. So what she's talking about is putting things in a flat car, um, but you want to put it over the hot box, over the journal box. Now, journal boxes have been replaced with these different kinds of um, ball bearings, but this is still, this is the, you can find those old journal boxes if you look at old restaurant trains and museums and things like that, and tourist trains. What she's saying, it's not just the flat car and the shoe. It's that particular place where the fire could catch, right? It's a danger point. And she doesn't say it, 
but you know and I know the shoe must be pointing forward if you're going to get them to get out of town, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to put that shoe crosswise. And now she mentions that you're going to nail it down with five nails. Well, that's our old fabulous quincunx, the, the, the five spot, right, that's used in African folk magic. So this is African adapted to a modern American uh, railroad. Well, not so modern anymore. Okay, so um, here's a here's another one that is a little more intimate. So this is a boxcar to send a man off, and this is from an informant from St. Petersburg, Florida, number one o two one. And um, again, I'm thinking this is a woman because it's a woman sending off a man, and it's about sex. And women are more likely to talk about these kind of sex spells involving breaking up with men. So if you want to get a man off of you that don't respect you, now it sounds like he's a bad guy, so you fool around with him, and then it says she won't wipe with the same cloth he wipes with. She wipes him off, you know. And then she takes that, in other words, his cum on a piece of cloth, and she uh, takes it down. She can sew it up in a cloth and then go down to the railroad track and open a boxcar. If you see a boxcar that's open. Now, these days, boxcars are made of steel, but back then they were made of wood. And so she sees the boxcar open, and she throws it in there. And then he'll be driven along, He'll same way that the boxcar goes. And you don't know where the boxcar is going to go. And she says, maybe they carry it to the Mississippi Valley somewhere or another before they ever lose it. In other words, they find that little packet and they get rid of it. So that's like the old spells of mailing a letter to Paris or Paris, Texas, right? You're mailing him away. You're sending him away in the mm. boxcar. And, yeah. Um, now, I'm going to give you just one more that's, that sort of gives this idea. Now, here's someone who's gotten a little bit more pointed about it, I guess. They say it's got to be the left shoe. Why the left shoe? Because the left shoe is part of the left side of the body. The left side of the body has the heart, right? So you're going to take his left shoe. Oh, and this is an informant from Memphis, and this is informant number uh, 972. Um, and uh says if you don't want that man and you want to make him leave you alone, you take his shoe, his left shoe, and you go to the railroad where a car box is. Now, by car box, she means boxcar. And um, and it has to be kind of alone. What she means is you don't want to get caught by the railroad bulls. You know, you just want to you find a car off on a siding, just put it in there. And um, you tack it onto the car box, the box car. And just as long as that train will carry that shoe, that man will walk um, the same direction. And as far as the box car goes, the shoe goes. And um, there you go. Car box is a box car. So these are different ways. And she says a left shoe. There are some people who says it doesn't matter which shoe. There are some people who are, you know, it's all about the socks, right? Mm. Some people say you write the name on the insole of the shoe. I'm going to turn this over. Miranda, do you have a couple others? I feel like, uh, I, I actually, I, I dug a lot more into this more like um, as far as like the personal concerns and why you would use certain materials and things. Um, and I feel like you might need to help me a little bit on this one, but this is around nailing something in to the mm-hmm. ties of the railroad, but it involved another kind of fabric that had, um, you know, someone's items, you know, their concerns on it. Um, as far as like the sock or the insole, I, that's the other thing was like, you could use an insole depending on like how much 
you can get out of this shoe or whatever, or someone has discarded it. But I like the idea that you don't need to have the exact whole thing, but it needs to be something from their foot. And, it, and mm-hmm. I do like the idea of the left foot because you know where it's going to be going, and it's a part of the heart. It's what's going to drive them to keep moving, to keep going away. Um, but I'll let me – I need to pull up at this moment. I need to actually go back and look at the one about nailing in the cloth. Oh, I can tell you what I can tell you it from my I head. I know it. it. Okay. Um, like, yeah. So this is this is, is real sophisticated. <laughs> yeah. You go down. I love this. Go, okay. You yeah. go down to a railroad and you have to take a pocket knife with you, and you dig out a railroad spike. Now this is you know you got to dig it out with your pocket knife, right? So you've gotten the spike out, and then you take a piece of cloth from their body their sock or something small piece of cloth you jam it down in the hole then you drive the spike back in so this will uh drive them out of town too but it's also constant torture to them because every Mm -hmm. time a train goes over bam bam it's going to hit that spike and go right over their head right Mm -hmm. so yeah that's a really unusual one and there are there's a there's another one that uses just the dirt of their foot tracks. So this is where we sort of get into foot track magic. And there's a whole web page on foot track magic. And maybe Nagashiva can put that link up in the chat. If you take the dirt from someone's footprints and you can um, put that in a little packet and put it in a box car also to get them out of town. But you can mm-hmm. also make it a little more potent. You can mix it with some salt and some red pepper and other things and put that and send them out of town with their foot track so but there are many many of these they are all different and the reason i want to mention so many of them is that people get hung up on there's one way to do this you know um but no that's there are so many ways to do these um some people will say to put it over the hot box some people say to put it on the bumper which is at the end of the car just different people say different things you know there's um here's another one the toe of the shoe buried in the railroad bed. Okay, this came from Vicksburg, Mississippi, an informant who Hyatt couldn't remember the number, but he said it was between number 744 and 747. So it's either, <laughs> <laughs> whatever, that's a, that's a hard one to um, try to think. But he says you just need the toe of the shoe to, to work with this one. You don't need the whole shoe. And um, so that's just, just a different way to to work it um and you know this is um it says here um you have to go down and this is what this informant unknown informant says take the shoes off well you don't want to stay here in this town and i'm disturbing you in some way now he's or she is talking about the 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 enemy or the discarded lover and you probably don't like me and you get a hold of my shoe either one it don't make any difference and you take my shoe and go down to the railroad and you have to go down at the absence of the men, which meaning when and Hyatt asks the absence of the who? <laughs> and she says, the absence of the men. No one can see you. You understand? And you lay it on the car box, in other words, on the box car, with the toe pointed down like. Now, instead of pointing it forward so that it's going to go forward, the toe points down toward the rail. And when that train leaves, nobody knows what you did. And that shoe will take off from there, and um, and they will go and never stop. So this is another way to point the shoe, not forward, but 
just down. So they're like dragging their toe along, basically, as they go along. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll turn it over to turn it over to you, Miranda, or to Conjurman. I think I, the only thing I wanted to also talk about was things that we can find along railroads. Uh, we had talked a little bit about this on Friday, but the mimosa, like the sensitive plants and certain kind of herbs that finding out. Oh, yeah, 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 the shame Judy, uh, shame yeah. Judy. Right. I mean, I feel like you know it a lot better than I do. I looked it up a bit, but um, if you want to start. I feel like you oh, have sure. so much knowledge. So shame, I, shame Judy, shame Judy, also known as shaman plant or a shamed plant, um, shame briar. It's not a briar, briar being blackberries. It's not. It is in the pea family, and it's related to the mimosa or sensitive plant, but it's just a little straggly little plant. And when you touch the leaves, they fall and close up as if they were ashamed of themselves. And they are known for growing in gravelly areas along railroad tracks. So this is the shame briar spell. Go ahead. You can tell the spell. Oh, actually, I'm looking it up right now. That's why I'm oh, like, I'll oh, tell no. it. I'll tell it. I'll tell it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it so to make, yeah, to make somebody um, feel ashamed of what they did, um, you can use this root, but if you want to get a job, you can also use this root of the shame briar. And um, it's just one of these oddities. You can chew that root, and um, when you go for a job, look the man in the eye, and he will hire you. Now, I'm guessing that this is he'll hire you to work on the railroad, but, you know, I may be wrong. could be any other kind of work, but the idea here is that you have to pick that by the railroad or you're not getting the right thing. And the plant grows other places, but this is what you need. You need the one by the railroad. So that's just mm. an odd one. I wanted to add was like the railroad as an environment was essentially like some ideas that we had talked about, just, you know, like the amount of energy that goes through those kind of places, like everything from beyond the iron, like whether it's the certain plants, certain things that show up there, the ballast that is made, um, there's just so much energy there that could be, utilized and railroads are everywhere even if you don't have a river near your home like there's there's a lot more accessibility i think that's my my biggest mm-hmm. point just like oh yeah great ways mm. yeah so um yeah the a, oh go ahead i was gonna mention there's a, a really uh old-timey working that makes sure that your uh former lover, lover never gets married using a railroad what you do is you gather their sexual fluid so this is like basically you need to have breakup sex with them once more one last time or one last time in order to get their sexual fluids yeah break break up sex it's a thing i tell you people uh you, you get their sexual fluids one last time and from that you craft a doll baby you craft a doll baby with the sexual fluids and you place in it black pepper and salt. I was told black pepper and salt. And then you bury it. So you've got to go to a railroad track that's actually dirt. None of the, one, none of the concrete ones that you see like inside a city, but an actual one that's dirt. And you're supposed to bury alongside the railroad. So like right as the railroad, there's like a little dirt. You dig it up. You bury it there, and the idea is that they will run and run and run, and they will go through many lovers, but none of them will settle. And so long as the doll baby remains there, they will never get married in life, never settle down, never have a commitment. When you want to undo the spell, you then unbury the doll baby, open it back up, release the spirit, and then burn the remains, and then afterward they'll be uncrossed, and they can finally find love. 
that's a good one too. Um, okay, I'm gonna. I got one more here. We're sort of getting short on time, so I'm gonna take one more here. This one is for um, protection. It is um, from informant number six in New York City. Everyone thinks of Harry Hyatt having only interviewed people in the South, but he did interview people in New York, which is where he was living at the time. Um, so this is informant number six, probably a a friend of his housekeeper's family, uh, housekeeper Julia, um, to dress the house for protection from theft, you need those paradise seeds. Now, that means grains of paradise. And you take the paradise seed and you take some parsley with the paradise seed. Now, this could be parsley, dried parsley. It could be parsley seeds, not clear. Um, you take you nine rocks like off a railroad. So this is nine pieces of railroad gravel. And so you tie that up in a sack, which probably means a piece of red flannel, and you put it underneath your steps, but you don't bury it. So you same as you would do a piece of stick that away. Now a piece of stick that done that away would probably be devil shoestring, which look like sticks. And you tie it up on the side there. So what you're talking about is a porch, and you're going to tie this in a little bag on the side of your steps that go up to your house. Okay? Everybody will pass by there, even the children. They'll look, and their mind will tell them to stop there, but they'll continue by. The sticks and the children means they will not be... Um, they will be kept away as if it were devil shoestrings. And so that uses railroad gravel. The idea here is that railroad gravel comes from railroads and they're going to travel on again. You see, their mind will say, hey, I could go in that house and steal something, but they won't do it. They won't stop. They've got to go because the railroad gravel makes them travel on. Wonderful. That's great. Yeah. Mm, I love that. I love that. You see, the, uh, the dynamism of working with railroads is something that we don't always think about nowadays. I think because people don't think of railroads as that important mm-hmm. to their life anymore. But what everything from what you're, what you're saying, what Miranda is saying, what I'm saying, is you're looking at a complete diversity of spells. Spells to drive people away, spells for luck, spells for protection, spells, spells to curse people, all of the spells for love, like all, love crossing. All these things are found in the railroads because it is such a dynamic site. It's got the connection to iron. It's got the historical mm-hmm. connection. It's connected to liminality. It's connected to motion. All of these things must be front and center when we talk about railroads and how they feature in Kondru and Hoodoo. I think the other thing to add here is like, and I'll bring this up during the free spell, but there's so many modern applications of the spell work that has been provided once we, you know, uh, essentially translate it in terms that are more modern for us, but that's public transit, um, using highways, using semi-trucks. There's so many other ways to utilize this knowledge and and respect those spells by putting them into modern terms. I think that the people that have created these spells are just so so capable and aware of the energy that was around them and how to how to this such a cool topic. I love it so much. All right. Well we have officially run out of time. <laughs> Train time and the track's all out of line. <laughs> so uh, that's an old song. Train time here and the track's all out of line. All right, we're going to turn this over to our announcer, Reverend James, and he's going to tell us about our sponsors and our clients. 
Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com. And by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org. And by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to today's client, but our client is going to be um, not on the phone because they're in Germany. Um, and they have been a uh, client on the show before, and their name is Alex Xavier. And they write, I moved abroad to work in Germany in a typical immigrant job. The pay is better compared to my home country. I am at a crossroads as many unlucky circumstances tend to affect my life, even when my situations improve. I love creating digital art, but that requires money, dedication, and time, whereas I need a nine-to-five job to survive, and those tend to be soul-crushing. I feel I am crossed or unlucky or both. What do I need to do in order to find a suitable occupation that won't drain my energy, that can give me a sense of at least satisfaction or purpose? Turning it over to you, Ms. Kent. All right. Well, I, I saw in the chat that Balkan Diviner says that Alex is his boyfriend and that he can speak for Alex in the chat. <laughs> so, hi, Balkan Diviner. That's great. Um, you're going to have to remind me, uh, Balkan Diviner, uh, what is Alex's sign of the zodiac? And I'm going to wait a moment here and hope that Balkan Viner types it and hits the return button and it shows up. Um, or we could make Balkan Diviner live. No, we can't because he's in Romania. Ugh. All right. Well, I don't get the answer. I'm not getting the answer here. Oh, there it goes. Capricorn with Virgo rising. Thank you, Balkan Diviner. Okay. Slight delay there, but that's okay. Um, all right. Well, I think I'm going to do the first reading and then Miranda will do a reading and Contraman will come in with the root work for this. And so I'm going to, uh, now that I know this person's a Capricorn, this is the part where having a, a good job is so important to a Capricorn. Virgo rising definitely is someone who is detailed and um, organized, good with math, good with any kind of detailed work, and will also um, be very loyal to whoever hires them. So the question here was, um, you love creating digital art, but we don't know how good you are. And I'm going to just take a moment here. I worked in the comic book industry for years, and there were people who said, oh, I want to draw comics. And I'd say, great, come on in. The water's warm and fine, you know. No, it turned out they couldn't necessarily draw. Some could, some couldn't. Sometimes you'd find one who was 12 years old and could draw better than a 25 years old who dream was to be in comics. So the first thing is to take a fearless self-assessment of your digital art skills. And then to take a fearless assessment of your social outreach skills. Because what good is digital art if you can't make a website and if you can't do anything with it? Now, I speak as one who knows. You can have a nine-to-five job and 
set aside two or three hours every evening to do that other thing. Okay, so I'm gonna. Uh, so don't let the fact that you you don't have to quit your day job in order to, to transition to an art career. I've done it. It can be done. Others have done it. So I'm going to read the cards. I'm going to read three cards. Card number one, a great little card, the magician. Uh, this sort of goes right to what I was saying. The magician says, you can do it. You've got the tools. The magician has love above him. That's the roses. And below him, he has roses and lilies, which are um, those that need to be protected, but also love again. He creates a garden out of his dreams and thoughts. He has an infinity symbol. He's got a lot of opportunity. And on his table, which is in front of him, he has the four elements expressed as the four suits of the tarot, the coin for minerals and for the earth and herbs, the cup for waters, baths, and teas, the sword, which is air, which stands for prayer or breath and can also be incense, and the wand, which is fire or a torch or a lamp. So this says you can do any kind of magic you want to, but you actually have to do the magic. In other words, just to say, I've got this soul-crushing job and I want to do digital art and I'm unlucky, you've got to stop for a moment and just say, I'm designing a spell that's going to allow me to carve out time to do what I want to in the way of digital art. Now, the next card is just a kind of nice card about what can happen here, what you can do, what you are um, what you are capable of doing. And this card is going to be about letting yourself be seen, letting yourself be known, kind of what I was talking about a little bit, but it's not immediate. It's going to be a little time before you can find your way forward. And I'm I'm not trying to disappoint you here, but there is a bit of hold up. And this card is a really confusing card to most people. It's called the Seven of Cups. And it's a person with too many choices. So you're going to have to think a bit about what exactly do you want and how are you going to go about getting it? What are your goals? In this card, person's looking at all of these cups. There's a cup with a castle for security, a cup with gold pearls and money for a bank account, a cup with uh, academic laurel leaves or military laurel leaves, although it's an unfortunate cup that has a skull, so watch out. There's a cup with a dragon, which I always think of as representing your fears and nightmares. A cup with a snake who are false friends, people who betray you. A cup with a a stone head, which stands for idle drunkenness. The head is covered with grape leaves. And, and so this is, don't waste your time in daydreaming. And then last of all, there's a person in the cup. And this person is your lover-to-be. Maybe this is Balkan Diviner. And we, or some people say, hey, it's Jesus Christ. I don't know. It could be Jesus. It could be Balkan Diviner. But this is someone you will love and who will help you and be, be strong for you. With all of these choices, I'd like you to sit down and make a list of what your actual goals are. If you want to do digital art, I wish you were here on the phone because I would say, do you have a web page with your digital art on it? Do you have a Facebook? Do you have um, a place on Instagram? Do you have some place where we can see your digital art? Because if you don't, then you're just living in your head. So um, I'm, I'm going to say the first step is to 
make yourself be seen because this is a real issue for people who want to live as artists and haven't yet figured out that you have to sell your art. And the third card is a good card. It's a nice card. It's called the sun. And it's a, a card of a child on a horse in a courtyard with sunflowers growing around them and the sun blooming. I'm excuse me, the sunflowers blooming and the sun shining. And um, this is a says, enjoy it. Enjoy your art. Enjoy your life. Don't worry so much about, will I be trapped in this horrible nine-to-five job? What you have to do is keep the nine-to-five job. Many people, and I'm going to just be very stern here, think of O. Henry. You probably don't even know who O. Henry was. But think of O. Henry, um, uh, you know, just toiling away until he sold his first short stories. Think of Raymond Chandler, a man who uh, didn't publish his first novel until he was in his 40s because he worked for a gasoline company, an oil drilling company. Um, think of, of Herman Melville. There are many people, and I just named three off the top of my head, there are many people who had a job and did their art in the evening and eventually had a body of work that they could show or a story they could turn in and then they became successful. You don't have to be a failed artist. So start now. Produce one piece of finished art every week. Promise me you'll do that, and you will have a good life, and you will be uh, able to go on to the next part of your life when it comes ready. All right, that's my reading. Let's turn this over to Miranda. I cannot tell you how excited I am right now to read these cards. Um, I, that was a wonderful reading, Ms. Kat, and I love your approach to it because, as we all know, like when you read tarot cards or, or, or any kind of cards, uh, oral cards, oracle cards or anything, it, everyone has a, a very um, specific relationship with them. And the cards that I've actually pulled today for our client speak so much to me because I also work in a creative environment, in a corporate environment, um, and I've found ways, personally, to uh, enjoy it while also still living my life. And it's it's one of those things where, like, good fences make great neighbors. Boundaries are key here. And I think that um, there's some opportunity here to make the money and run. Like, you could make some money and fund the things that make you super happy. Um, the reading I'm going to do is a little different than the one that Ms. Kat just did. I like to do a three-card reading, but it's usually about a situation the first card will be the situation. The second card will be, what do I need to know? The third card is, what do I got to do, physically do? And I pulled one extra card while Ms. Cat was talking because I just wanted to make sure I had some clarity. Um, so the first card I have, which is the situation at hand, is the Ten of Cups. You want what everyone wants. You want an incredible life. You want comfort and peace and understanding and you want to feel that everything you do is it makes sense it makes others happy and good it also makes you happy and good sometimes we have to make our own path sometimes we have to create our own recipe to get that kind of level of happiness and that we cannot we cannot uh rely on others or even a job to become our our major um 
I don't, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's, it's not for validation. Like jobs don't exactly equal validation. So I personally feel that the Ten of Cups is about the things that we all want. We want longevity. We want health. We want prosperity. It's, this card just says so much about like what's on your mind. Um, the second card, which is what do you need to know about the situation, especially since you just moved, especially because you are just working through um, a different job market. You're working through a different job market and you're a creative person. Plus, the languages might be different. All these other things are so different than where you were from. And they might be related, but they're not. It does, I can go one state over to Wisconsin and I live in Michigan. Or sorry, I live in Minnesota, but I've lived in Wisconsin. I've lived in Michigan. And there's different values and different social structures. So what this next card says to me is about what you need to know is the hanged man. That is an incredible card to have about changing your view. It's about seeing the situation in a very different way. Um, I love the hanged man because he has not hung himself in a negative way. He's hung himself by a foot. And he's actually coming off of a wood tree like he's coming off of branches there's tons of leaves and opportunity he is bringing about growth he's, he's a part of something that involves changing your lens changing your perspective he's enlightened because he looked at this problem upside down i love this card because you are now in a new place and you need to have this perspective one of the first things that came to my mind when i saw the hanged man was can you connect to anybody else in this region that came from where you also came? Is there a way that you can provide services or um, understanding for people that are also like yourself? Because that is a huge way to find community. It's a great way to like provide services and to also find a new way of looking at the world. I, I just think it's a great the hangman, though, generally just says, like, I've been um, enlightened by changing my list, by changing my view. And it's something that you have to put yourself into. So, and I'm a big fan. Oh, thank you for the note on timing. I will talk forever sometimes. The third card, which is what you physically need to do, is the one that makes me laugh the most. Every time I get this, because I work in a corporate job, I get this card a lot for my clients because they also work corporate creative jobs. And that is Four of Swords. And Four of Swords says, please sleep, please rest, let things happen in the time that it needs to happen. You can sit and, and have anxiety about it. You can, it's really swords are mental, right? They're all your ideas. When you see the Four of Swords, that's the first time that I'm like, time for a vacation, time for you to rest, time for you to read a book, something else than doing your work all the time. Because sometimes you need to let things boil. You need to let things brew. So I personally feel that you need to like take a minute, just think about how this is really going to pan out. But all these cards are are seriously saying like, you need to like just take a minute. Just let, let this idea percolate. Let people find you. Let people know who you are, but then just sit and wait. You need to rest and recuperate. Um, and you're in a new environment. So I just think it's it's something that's important about sitting and waiting and resting versus um, trying to be all action, all go. The last card I pulled, I pulled an extra card just to make sure I understood. And I love sometimes when tarot cards tell me to mind my own business. Um, the first one, <laughs> this, this card is Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> this card just basically says, like, it can go a lot of ways. But you need to understand that there is an opportunity here for it to go many ways. Let those come to you. With rest, you will see better opportunity. With less stress, you will see opportunity. 
So wherever you can manage your stress, change your lens, change your perspective, I think you're going to see a lot of good things. Wheel of Fortune always says that you will, that things will turn in your favor, but you need to let them turn. Okay. All right. All righty. All right. Well, we're going to have to jump to Conjurman because we have to get his spell in. We're running short here. Yeah, I'm going to move really fast here. Uh, so first and foremost, I think you need to create, if you want to do this type of work, create for yourself a digital sigil. This is an image that that is one part signature, one part conveys what you want to the world about what you want to do, and you'll include on your website, you'll include on your artwork. So create a digital sigil. It's something like a personal signature that has magic imbued in it. You're going to actually take this digital symbol and place it on an altar, a space that you are going to dedicate to this work. Write down also a list of what you want to achieve, what you hope to achieve. I want to make money off of my art. I want to bring clients in. I want this to be a good second job. I want it to be so, so fulfilling for me. I want it to be financially able to support me so that I can do just artwork. Whatever it is, as Miss Cat said, write down a list of what you genuinely seek and what you want. You're going to place this along with a digital symbol or sigil onto this altar. In this altar, you're going to get a large lodestone. You're going to place the list underneath the lodestone, and you're going to place the sigil in the back of it. Back of the altar, when you face it, you'll see the sigil and then the lodestone. Place the lodestone on a plate. Around this plate, I want you to organize cinnamon, five-finger grass, and bay leaf. Cinnamon and five-finger grass and bay leaf are all great for success work. On the left hand of this, you're going to get a bowl, and you're going to place master root. On the right side, you're going to put another bowl, and you're going to put bayberry. So you have the lodestone in the middle with your petition underneath, the uh, master root on the left hand, and the bayberry on the right. Every Sunday, you're going to feed the lodestone some magnetic sand while praying over it, asking that it bring you the success that you seek. Take some Hoyt's cologne, sprinkle it on the master root, sprinkle it on the bayberry, and then bless your hands with it. Set some time aside every Sunday to do creative work, to actually put in the hard work of doing digital art. This will take time, but what this altar will do is it will alter your fate. It will shift your life so that it aligns with what you've placed on this altar. Make sure that your digital sigil is included in any website you have, any social media that you have, so that it is connected to the altar and will start to bring you in paying clients. This is a way of connecting the altar to the outside world. It's a simple working but incredibly powerful. You do have to give this time. I've always found that when you create altars like this, it takes like a few weeks to really sort of shift the spiritual flow of your life. Wow. That's really great. Um, and I do think taking a few weeks is going to be the case because we also saw yeah. Miranda that there was this little slowdown. Um, I love the idea of a digital sigil. And I want you to understand that no one will know who you are and you will die unmourned and unrecognized by the side of the road and be buried in the gutter if you don't make a website <laughs> or publish a book or paint a canvas or whatever it is. Art has to be seen. You're not an artist unless people see it, okay? Stern words. <laughs> Stern words from an artist. 
Yeah. Miranda says, art is visual, full stop. Okay. Next is our station identification, brief but powerful. LMC. You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. Mystics, Mages, and Magical Places with Reverend Art and Reverend James, Mondays, 4 to 5.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, in syndication, Tuesdays. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Deborah Voigt, Tuesdays, 4 to 5. The Now You Know Show with Professor Porterfield in syndication, Wednesdays. And The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Miss Phoenix LaFay in syndication, Thursdays. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Miranda of MirandaTarot.com in Minneapolis. Take it away, Miranda. Thank you so much. Um, I love this. uh, This is going to be a modern version of what we've been talking a lot about tonight with Railroad Magic. Um, I love this kind of idea of, like, how do we think through things a little bit differently? How do we use what's near us? And how do we still keep it really connected to the original spell work that so many people have created over time and and still has the same purpose. So one of the things that we had talked a number of times about was about how trains can allow um, us to get rid of folks. It allows people to like never be able to settle down, never allowed to be grounded. It's about kind of like an intranquil spirit, a wandering spirit. And what I wanted to talk about was using the exact same spell work, but for a modern day approach. So my spell is to take a piece of paper, and you can use this piece of paper in any color, but I like the idea of it reflecting the energy or the idea of the person you're working on that you would like to go away. It could be their skin tone, but it could also just be something that, like sometimes people have a really strong association with color. So you can choose something that you'll like, oh, I know exactly who this is about. Um, And you would use red ink to write their name nine times because throughout Henry Hyatt's informant interviews, nine was brought up so many times, as well as its reference to um, other eras of magic. So write your name nine times in red ink on this piece of paper. And you could originally, the spell was to be like, let's go ahead and just throw that in the, on the rails of a train and take it away. It will be incinerated by the amount of friction and motion. But not all of us are near trains. And I think a lot of us are actually near buses. I think we're all near um, semi-trucks or 18-wheelers. Depends on what you call them, tractor trailers, things like that. Um, And I love the idea of retrofitting this spell to go with what is available to you. I would take your, um, your piece of paper that has that, your target's name nine times in red ink. I would then fold that up and put it in like I, I say put it in, but attach it to a piece of duct tape or maybe a certain color of tape 
that matches the underside of your uh, public transit nonstop running item, whether that's a subway, a bus, it could be a semi-truck. And it's one of those things that you tape under. And it's hard because you have to be careful where you are, what you're doing. Um, depends on, like, the cameras out there. But I think that there's an opportunity for you to slip this in, even in a small way. And the, the reason I say choose a piece of tape that matches the underside of the material that you're attaching to so that it's not noticed during inspections and not during repairs. Because that's the point, is that you want someone to be in, you know, wandering forever without ever having a moment to stop. This is about sending somebody away. This is about making sure that someone doesn't uh, grow roots in your neighborhood or be a big part of your life when you don't want them to. Um, and then sometimes there's, there could be some positives to this. There's some people who want to travel big time. And if you want to, like, wish them well, blessing as a curse, put them out there and let them travel big, you could attach this to a lot of things. But I like the idea, especially here in the United States, where we have so many semi-truck drivers and so many highways, this is a great way to attach it. The other thing that I think is really great for attaching is actually from my boyfriend, who is not of this world, but we happened to go shopping yesterday to get a couple of items for something else we were working on, and I saw the power of magnets. And what I love about magnets is that magnets are also made of ferrous materials, iron-related materials. This is our modern-day nail. It has got something that relates back to this past, and it's something that they have made so strong when needed that you could actually attach this note. You could even attach a sock or, the, or a cutting of the uh, insole of someone's left shoe with their name on it. Attach it attach it to the side of or the undercarriage of a semi-truck or if you happen to have access to a bus, a subway, an elevated train. I, I joke about it, but maybe even an Uber that you know is very active in the community. <laughs> but I really love the idea of like, how do you attach something with the least amount of damage? Because we're not trying to damage the, the thing that's carrying their name everywhere, but we do want it to make sure that they are uh, and unable to rest, unable to be grounded. That's my wow. self. Well, the the use of a magnet is interesting mm. here because there are these rare earth magnets that are very good, and you can actually, if if, if you live where there's a, uh, you know, out in the interstate land <laughs> where the interstates run, uh, there are truck stops and there are trucks that come by, and if you just had a piece of paper. Glued to the magnet, so you don't have to make you know won't make a mistake. Just glue it to the magnet, and then have the magnet in the palm of your hand, and just slap it up under that um, and under the metal there as you walk by. No one will see it. You just like put your hand down. Mm-hmm. The magnet now holds it on, and it it won't go anywhere. Another thought came to me while you were talking about this, which is you were talking about buses. Now there are buses mm-hmm. that are interstate buses and uh, up and down through a state, but there are also city buses that just go round and round and round. And that would be kind of neat to do a, um, you know, a a city bus to just uh, get someone confused, you know what I mean, to um, uh, to get someone just to go around in circles. And that's another way to, to work it. Um, I like that a lot. Do you have anything to add, Conjurman? Nothing to add to that, but I, I will say that I've done a something different, not with the railroad, but you mentioned the bus. I've done something with a car where, where you and a doll baby. So you can definitely, I love the idea 
of really tapping into motion here and the way mm-hmm. that you can really bring that power to bear. I had not considered it as this sort of uh, using the railroads or, or using this type of working. And the ma- the use of magnets here is really in, ingenious and, and innovative. Well, you know, there are those little boxes that they you can buy to put a key in, your extra key, and you put it under your car. <laughs> go find one of those, and I've mentioned this before on the radio years ago, go get one of those little boxes that you put a key in, but put the stuff in it and slap it under a car. works really well. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yes, yeah, Reverend James says, it's called a Heidekey. That's right. The name of the brand name is Heidekey. <laughs> Thanks, James. So um, take it away, James, and give us our announcements, and we'll come back and say goodbye. Thank you, Miss Kat and Conjurman, and thank you, Miranda of MirandaTarot.com in Minneapolis for bringing us for being our guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when from the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, we will have Miss Ramona of Ramona Speaks the Other Truth in Houston, Texas, bringing us the topic of wishes versus commands. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from folkconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week at the same time when you will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you, Jeffrey James. Now, folks, if you're not a member of my Patreon team, uh, now is the time to join. It costs $2 a week. You can buy $8 for a month, and you get 4 web pages that no one else gets to see for a year and you can comment on them and help me improve them and a year later they get to the public because I am working on the railroad magic page it'll go out on Tuesday so just saying Patreon is what makes it possible for me to keep on writing new web pages and adding them to Hoodoo and Theory and Practice which is a free site adding them to the Mystic Tea Room to Southern Spirits and to Your Weight and Fate which are my free sites so, I uh, hate to be such a, you know, buy, buy, buy kind of person, but do do buy my Patreon stream because otherwise I'll just sit and vegetate in the corner and won't do anything anymore. I need money to do it. I need money to write those pages. Sure you you all know that. <laughs> sure I will. <laughs> right. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Good night. Good night, all. Farewell. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.